This is such a special and holy time that we share tonight as we enter into the events of Jesus last night, the night before he died. He knew he was soon going to die and he spent the last night giving and sharing of himself to those closest to him, teaching them the most important lessons he needed them to remember and to carry on for him and to teach others, lessons for his disciples then and for us today. Jesus gave his disciples three specific commandments. In the account of the events of this evening in John's Gospel, he said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Then, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And we hear in Luke's account tonight at the Passover meal, he told them, eat this bread and drink this cup. Do this in memory of me. This is why this night is called Maundy Thursday, for Maundy comes from the Latin word mandatum, meaning commandment. Jesus had prepared well for this last time he would share with his disciples, his friends, The Passover was coming and he had sent Peter and John ahead of him to make sure the room that he had already organised was ready and to make preparations for the Passover meal. Now here they all were gathered in the upper room for this very special time. He said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This would be the last Passover meal he shared with them on earth. We wonder if the disciples really knew what lay ahead in the next few hours, even though the week they had just been through would have been enough to tell them the world outside that room was becoming a dark and dangerous place, both physically and spiritually. Only a few days earlier, the crowds had welcomed Jesus, waving palm branches in his honour, but in other places in the city, other events were brewing, events that would lead to betrayal, violence and turn the crowd into one that would soon utter ugly cries of crucify instead of Hosanna. Evil was at work. We remember at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when Jesus overcame his temptations in the desert, Luke tells us Satan departed until an opportune time. Well, that time has now arrived. As well as the stirring up of the people, we hear of Satan entering into Judas and leading him to betrayal. We hear of Satan desiring to test Simon and the other disciples, planning for their downfall. Dark spiritual forces are all around. It's a true thing that whenever we make a decision to follow our Lord Jesus and begin to draw close to him and to our Lord and God, The forces of evil also draw close and attack with intensity. Despite all that lay ahead for Jesus and the underlying current of betrayal from one of his own, he was looking forward to this final time with them and their company on this night. The Passover meal they were sharing was the meal in which every faithful Jew remembered the Exodus the time when God saved their ancestors, the ancient Israelite people, from the tyranny of the Egyptians through the faithful actions of his servant Moses. When the angel of death came to take all the firstborn, the Israelites were saved because their houses were marked on the doorposts with the blood of the lambs that had been sacrificed. When the angel of death saw the sign of the blood, he passed over that house 
hence the Passover celebration. The sign of the blood of the Lamb saved the Israelites from the death from the Egyptians. There is a holy connection for the Jewish people whenever the Passover is celebrated with these past sacred events. And this holy connection continues in the same way for us, with the words and actions that Jesus said and did on this night of the Last Supper with his disciples. Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The disciples did not know it then, but God was again about to act to save his people, and blood again would be the sign, this time the blood of Jesus. Jesus infused the familiar elements of the Passover with new meaning. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb of God, who in the shedding of his blood and his sacrifice on the cross would save the people from sin and death. And just as the Jewish people enter each year into the Passover story and make it their own, the bread and wine we partake of in Holy Communion enables us to enter again in a mystical way into those actions of Jesus on that last night and into his offering of himself on the cross for us. We become part of him, he in us, and we in him. Jesus makes the disciples an amazing promise. They who share this supper will be privileged to sit at table with the Messiah in his heavenly kingdom at the Messianic banquet. Those who share in the last supper would, through the death that supper signifies, finally enjoy the full reality of the kingdom of God, eternal fellowship with Jesus. He had so desired to share this meal, to show them and to tell them what this means. It's not ended here. This is a foretaste of the kingdom to come. The best is yet to come. That's the promise for us too, all of us who believe in and belong to our Lord Jesus Christ. It is so poignant that as we hear this commandment to eat and drink in his memory, we are not able to fully participate and take the wine at this time due to COVID. But God, who knows all things, knows this knows the longing and desire of our hearts, and so we can make a spiritual communion as we stand before the sacrament, inviting our Lord Jesus into our hearts and lives and very selves, and also to look to the banqueting table in the heavens where new wine is about to be poured and waiting for us. Back in the upper room during the meal, the disciples had other things on their minds, after disputing between themselves as to who would be the betrayer that Jesus mentioned, they then began to argue about who was going to sit where, who had the places of honour closest to Jesus. Jesus puts an end to it, saying that in his kingdom there was a total reversal of the values of this world. Although in the kingdoms of this world the greatest sit at table and are served, he, the truly great one, would be the one who served them. And so to illustrate, he did just that. Luke doesn't include the foot-washing story, but John's Gospel tells us, Jesus rose from the table and took a towel and began to carefully and lovingly wash their feet. Peter, horrified, objects. 
and the others look on. Maybe they were feeling embarrassed and guilty. Usually a servant would come and wash the feet of people as they entered houses. Jesus and his disciples had no servants and no disciple had jumped up ready to do the job. The roads were unsurfaced and dirty, dusty, muddy, and their feet were dirty. But Jesus took this opportunity to teach them a most important lesson. He turned that menial act into something beautiful and sacramental. When we consider all that has been part of Jesus' ministry, it has been filled with encounters with the sick and dying and those considered unclean by others. And his touch has brought grace and healing. Jesus said, if so I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What does that really mean? We might not encounter that many people who might want their feet washed in the course of daily life. But when we love and care for one another, it can sometimes be difficult work. And yet as we engage in that work in the way of Jesus, there is great love and powerful sacramental touch and feeling, both from the giver and the receiver. There's something about being on holy ground in this example of feet washing. What a difference it might make to our lives and the lives of others if each action, each task, no matter how simple or menial, is done in that same action of loving service as the simple washing of feet done that holy night so long ago. And the encounters we make may lead deeper into matters of the heart, matters of sin, of repentance, and about reconciliation with God and with one another. As Jesus returned to the table, there was one more message for them, a message of warning. Jesus speaks to Peter with a warning, calling him by his first name, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to sift you, to crush you, to test you. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Jesus did not pray that Peter would be spared from testing, but that during the temptation he would not fail utterly. And being able to withstand, he would be able to strengthen his brother disciples as well. Peter, however, underestimated the dimensions of the testing ahead and being overconfident exclaimed, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. There is a warning in being overconfident. One of the commentaries said, Satan is subtle. He attacks a person at the point where they are too sure of themselves. For it is there they are likely to be unprepared. Jesus tells Peter before the cock crows he would deny Jesus three times. We know that indeed did happen. But Peter came through his trials, strengthened and renewed for the great work ahead of him as leader in the early church. We are encouraged in this to know that although Jesus does not lead us into times of trial and temptation, he does allow us to go through them for our own good that we indeed may grow strong through the experience and learn the lessons needed. We are then able to help others because we have an understanding and experience we might not otherwise have had. And most importantly, we know that Jesus knows us each by name and is praying for us all the while that we will not fail and fall and will come through. We must pray and look to him for guidance in all our trials. Jesus then warns his disciples that earlier in their ministry he'd sent them out without provision 
and they were well received and looked after by those they visited. But now the hatred and opposition soon to engulf Jesus would also encompass them. They are to be prepared for the battle and take every provision. This is not just literally, but it seems Jesus dismisses the swords they hasten to find and the words are symbolic. The real battle facing them needed the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. They are to be prepared both physically and spiritually for the battles ahead. There was another farewell commandment that night, love one another as I have loved you. How had he loved them? Selflessly, sacrificially, with compassion, with understanding, with forgiveness. He knew all their weaknesses and yet he loved them still. He loved them with eyes wide open. He loved them at their worst and at their best. He loved even the one who betrayed him. He loved Judas too. He loved them with the great love of God and that's how he loves us and calls us to love each other. These commandments on this last night of his life were, apart from the words on the cross, Jesus' last words of teaching to his closest friends and disciples, and they sum up the essence of what his life was all about. These were the things that mattered most. If we were about to die and we had the chance to give our loved ones some last messages, I wonder what they would be. I think we too would want to leave them something that would make a real difference in their lives. Could we tell them our own loved ones certainly that we love them, that God loves them, and that they may come to know God, love God, love Jesus, love and care for one another, and be reconciled with God and one another. So those would be wonderful last messages that we might give to our loved ones. We will soon hear that after the meal they moved into the garden in the cool of the night. He walked ahead of them to pray, to seek the company of his father, and he prayed with such intensity the tears fell like blood. He was filled with the enormity of the task that lay before him and uttered his human anguish to God. He needed company and comfort, but they were all asleep. They simply couldn't stay awake, even one hour. And then the betrayer arrived with his arresters and accusers and the final hours to the cross and his great work of salvation began. As we have followed in his footsteps already this night, so at the end of the evening we too will fade into the night, as they did, and the church will be emptied and bare. I pray as we go in silence this evening and again that again the events of that night will impact upon us that we will find something of this journey touching our life in a profound way. May we continue to hear the voice of our Lord encouraging us with those precious commandments. Love one another. Serve one another. Remember me in bread and wine. Be strong and faithful. Stay awake. Stay close. Pray and be prepared. Amen.